So you see what I did there? Welcome back. You see what I did there? I took control of the show. I took the show back. More of me, less of you is good for the program. More of me talking to other people, not named you, is good for the program. You see how that works? It always works. All right, so you just stay off there in the corner. I'll bring you back in shortly, and you can have another shot. In the meantime, we start hour number three. I am Jim Rome. And when I talk about talking to somebody else who's going to make it better, we are joined right now by an NBA writer for Yahoo Sports. He is also host of the Good Word Podcast. He is also a Sirius XM radio host. He is Vincent Goodwill. He joins me to start hour number three. Vince, what's going on, dude? How you living? I'm doing good, Jim. How about you, man? Good, dude, good. Appreciate you. Thank you for coming back. Let me first ask you about Draymond Green. So the NBA dings him five games for dropping that arm bar on Rudy Gobert. Where do you come out on that? Does that punishment fit that crime? Yes and no. Like, I, I can understand the league coming off and saying that Draymond's lack of a better phrase credit report has shown that he's not going to be given the benefit of the doubt in such matters. Also, he wasn't actually the main instigator in this. This was Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels. I think it's kind of hard to remember that because it's Draymond Green. And whenever it's Draymond Green, and it's Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert, and it's Draymond Green giving someone a headlock or a sleeper hold for all of, let's say, 10 seconds dragging Rudy Gobert from 7 feet 4 to 4 feet 7. Like, A, that's pretty damn impressive to actually do such a thing. And B, if you're Draymond Green, you can't do that. And if you're the league, and this is Adam Silver's NBA, you don't want this to look like uh, Wesley Matthews getting choked out by Xavier McDaniel back in the day. Those things will not be tolerated. So what do you think? If we're talking about credit reports, what do you think his score is at this point? (laughs) He would need a bunch of co-signers. I think even beyond (laughs) Stephen Curry's perfect credit in the NBA, his score is probably, you know, one of those high interest rates. The great things. But but to be perfectly honest, Jim, I do think the NBA is kind of in a little bit of a trick bag. One, this was the second game that these two teams played at Chase Center in a span of like three or four days. They want to have these baseball-like series where you have teams staying in the same city for three or four days to cut down on travel. But when that happens, you get a little more, excuse me, a little bit more contempt with each other. If you just played each other on Sunday and you've been chirping and then you got to see each other three days later, things like this are more likely to happen. So it's almost like when the NBA tries to close one loophole in their 82-game schedule and gin up more excitement with the in-season tournament and everything else, there's also unintended consequences because given Draymond opportunity to see Rudy Gobert two times in the span of three days, he can't help but choke the guy. Vincent Goodwill is joining us. That's funny. In fact, if you need more evidence of that fact, not only did that happen based in part on everything you just said, but it happened when the score was 0-0. So it happened right from the very jump. You know, as far as this in-season tournament goes, I got to admit, Vince, I wasn't all about that. I wasn't really excited about that. But if this is the kind of action we're going to get from that, if we're going to get fight night from that, I might be a little bit more open to it. Because not only did that go down, but Anthony Davis actually put them hands on somebody else on that same night. Anthony Davis, or as someone in my family likes to call him, Accident Davis, actually got a chance to stay on the floor for a little while, and we got to see him play a reasonable amount of time. Like, I think last night might have been his first, like, bad game that he's played, even with, you know, this this adductor injury that he's gotten. But, yeah, I think the NBA 
Jim, it goes back to being in that same trick bag. Like they say, we want to have the fans having the same excitement that they had during the golden years of the 80s and 90s. But we don't want to have the violence of it. We don't want to have the contentiousness. Well, unfortunately, Jim, the NBA kind of likes to operate in that WWE thing where people like the drama, people like this stuff kind of, you know, ginned up between the teams. I like it myself. Do I think players can have a little bit of animosity without punching and throwing stuff at each other? Absolutely. But if it does happen, Jim, we see baseball brawls all the time. We see football players getting into it all the time. If these grown men can, you know, maybe they'll get into a little physical altercation, why is that such a bad thing? Everything's not the malice at the palace, and the league has to stop acting like they're so afraid of that happening once again. We're talking to Vincent Goodwill. Like, for instance, in hockey, I'm not saying it's the same thing, Vince, but the next time one person leaves their seats and heads for the exit when the gloves drop will be the first time, all right? That's never going to happen. <laughs> so I agree with you. Speaking of the Lakers, LeBron goes LeBron. He gets a triple-double last night. Didn't matter anyway. Sacramento beats them by 15. The Lakers are now 6 and six. Vince, given that they brought back virtually everybody from a team that went to the conference finals last year, you would expect more from these dudes. Is it just another slow start for LA or is this effectively who these guys are now? I mean, we keep talking about how impressive it is for LeBron to be doing these things at age 38, 39, right? But he's age 38, 39. Like how much can you expect this man to continuously carry a franchise like the Lakers? Also, with Anthony Davis playing as consistently as he has up until last night, and you're still a 500 team. Jim, you look at the Western Conference, with the exception of Dallas and Denver and Minnesota, all of these teams are hovering around 500. This is just parity in today's NBA. And I think a little bit, considering the fact that the Lakers got stomped out in the Western Conference Finals last year, we should start looking at that as a little bit of an anomaly. They beat a Golden State team that was pretty damn fractured, and they beat a Memphis uh, Grizzlies team last year that was pretty much imploding from the inside when you have John Morant going, you know, acting like he's in a movie, toting guns. So I'm not saying that that team was a fraud. I'm not saying that this team is a fraud. But I think there's a reason why you're hearing their name being toted out for, you know, Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. Once again, another LeBron James team looking for a third star when hardly any team has three stars. Interesting. Vincent Goodwill joining us. All right, speaking of Zach Levine, so the Bulls dropped a 4-8. and eight. They lose to the Magic. Is it then time to blow that thing up and move Levine and start over, or is that an overreaction? It's a little bit of both. Here's what I will say. If the number one player you're trying to move is a guy that you just signed to a $200 million deal, who's still in his 20s, who still has more upward trajectory to go in his game, and not DeMar DeRozan, who's on an expiring contract, I feel like something's wrong with your organizational philosophy there. It's clearly no secret that Zach Levine and Billy Donovan have not been on the same page, but they have extended Billy Donovan, and that extension doesn't kick in until next year. And we all know that Jerry Reinsdorf does not like to pay people to not work. So the easiest thing to do is to get rid of a guy like Zach Levine and label him as the biggest issue. But even still, you have no Lonzo Ball. Teams are still going to be calling for Alex Caruso. DeMar DeRozan is 34 years old, and you have no idea what you want to do with him at this offseason. So I think whether it is a retool, a rebuild, or whatever you want to call it in today's NBA, 
if that is your one move that you're going to do, if you're going to blow it up, I don't know if I have the confidence in this regime to make the right moves. It's real easy to tell a franchise, hey, y'all, let's just blow it up, and then what? Hmm. Hey, Vince, did you or would you have said to the Clippers, hey, y'all, get the guy with the fat suit. That'll fix everything. You know what? I understood the idea in theory. You bring in a guy like James Harden because he plays games and he plays minutes, right? One thing we know about PG and Kawhi, up until this year where they've been on, re- they've been on like good attendance, right? But their history has said they're going to miss games. We need someone who can, by and large, can make sure that he sets up other guys that can carry an offense, that can help us through the dog days of the season. Unfortunately, you have Russell Westbrook on that team too, and you can't send him to the bench because he's illustrated he is not about that life. Also, you don't know when that injury for Paul George or Kawhi Leonard will happen, but history has told us it will happen. All I can say is it's not a real good job being Ty Lue right now. I think he's one of the three best coaches in basketball, and I think he has his hands tied because no matter what button he presses, there's still going to be an unintended consequence that he can't plan for and that he can't actually maneuver around. James Harden, I think, Jim, we think of NBA players as being, you know, you know what's, the, what's the word, you know, forever young, right? Stephen Curry, 36, LeBron, 39. What happened to the days of guys spending 15 years in the league and their games falling off? Maybe that's the case with James Harden. Maybe so. And maybe you factor in nightlife, right? I mean, some of these guys. Oh, yeah. I think that's got to be part of it. I'm not saying that's all of it, but that's got to be part of it. Vincent Goodwill is joining us. Vince, before you go, let me ask you about the East. For instance, the Celtics, we know, made some pretty serious moves in the offseason. They're on top of the East right now. Joel Embiid made it pretty clear. He said they are the best team in the league. Would you agree? Joel Embiid? Does Joel Embiid play for the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, or the Boston Celtics? He does not. Okay. Well, then, cool. Then I, I understand the confidence, right? You know what I'm saying, Jim? I would love to go on a date with Kelly Rowland. I would say, Kelly, I'm the best man you could ever date in your life. And I would firmly believe that, but it don't mean that it's actually true. But it sounds nice to say out loud, okay? So for Joel Embiid, he has to say that. But they've never made the conference final. No, 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 no. Vince, Vince, I mean, no, he, he said that the Celtics are the oh. best team. Oh, Dude, I, I just let you roll because I, I love the way you were going. I love the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he said the Celtics are the best team in the league right now. Is he right about so, that? So, I mean, I mean, that takes away all the things of whatever. Everything I know. That's why there. I let you go, man. It was good. It was good. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? I think he's actually right. There are things about the Celtics that I don't trust, like Jalen Brown dribbling down the lane. But I do trust Jason Tatum. I do trust the Celtics organizationally. I do trust their structure. Now, if you're telling me that Dame and Giannis have figured some things out there, they have a higher ceiling than the rest. And quietly, the Miami Heat haven't lost a game in almost two weeks. Like, they're starting to figure things out, but we view the Heat as a playoff-only team and not as a regular season team. Clearly, they're starting to take things a lot more seriously because they do not want to have to go on the same type of run that they went on last year. But I do think from a regular season standpoint, the Celtics have fewer questions than any other team. The Celtics have more routes to get to the NBA Finals than any other team in the Eastern Conference, and secondly, league-wide, 
to the Denver Nuggets. Good stuff. Good stuff. One last thought. Uh, Vince, what about Philly? So you've got Joel. Mm-hmm. You've got Tyrese mm-hmm. Maxey. They got off to a great start. They dropped back-to-back games to the Pacers and Celtics. Given all the draft capital that Daryl Morey has right now, do you think, and to your point, there are very few teams that have that third star. Do you think that he could find another star to run with those two guys? I think you could find a star. The problem is can you find the right star? And the question also is, how much do you believe in Tyrese Maxey? How much do you look at him and say, is he a second star or is he a third star? And there's a huge difference between, for me between second and third star. Third star is a guy you don't rely on as much, and you're not putting the ball in his hands late in games. If you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you've shown that Joel Embiid gets a little skittish in, in late in games, especially late in playoff games. That's not the biggest indictment, but you have to have a guy that can take and make big shots that you're not going to necessarily feel like it's going to shrink in the moment. I think they can use some of that draft capital. I also think Tyrese Maxey is pretty damn good and it doesn't scare. The problem is, does Daryl Morey want to play a trade that he does not automatically just beat someone over the head in? Because unlike the James Harden deal, Daryl Morey lives to win the trade as opposed to doing what's best for his team. So, Vince, quickly as a follow, where do you come out on that question that you pose? Is Tyrese Maxey a number two or a number three star? I think in this Eastern Conference, he's a number three, but I think he has number two talent. Vincent Goodwill, NBA writer for Yahoo Sports, also the host of the Good Word podcast and a serious XM radio host. Dude, great job as always. Appreciate you, Vince. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, Jim. Thanks again, man. Great job, dude. Always appreciate it. Great energy. Good takes. Good stuff. Makes it better. All right, your thoughts on any of what you just heard, 1-800-636-8686. I thought he made a really good point about the Lakers especially. Can't take it away from them. They made that run to the conference finals. That really did happen, but walk that back. Who did they beat to get there? How did they get there? And you've got LeBron, who's still playing lights out. You have, quote, accident Davis, (laughs) who until last night was playing pretty well. You know, it's essentially the same team. And they're a 500 team. So, and it's early, but is it a poor start or is it who they are? I'm starting to think this is who they are. All right, when we return, I will let you back in. If that doesn't work, I'm good. I'm covered. I've got some other things I want to cover too. 1-800-636-8686. That number is toll free. In terms of other things that I want to cover... You know what I really want to hit? My man, Ed Cooley. Love Ed. Haven't had him on in a moment or two, but he had a moment. And he had a teaching moment, in fact. I want to share his teaching moment with some of you youngsters out there. Especially some of you young, aspiring journos. I'll have that for you. And I will open it back up to you. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Did you know that Discover wants everybody to feel special? That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases, which is nice. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations do apply. All right, different topic. In the meantime, all right, go ahead. You can come back in. 1-800-636-8686. You can come back in, but you know what you can and can't do. 
Keep that in mind. All right, so this is interesting to me. If you know this house, you know this house is a giant Ed Cooley house. I love Ed. Ed's the man. And I defended my dude when so many people got all bent when he left Providence after 12 seasons and seven tournament appearances for Georgetown. Providence fan was pissed. Providence fan thought that he would stay forever. Nothing's forever, right? And by the way, Providence fan, I got to say it again. I'll say now what I said then. He does not owe you anything. 12 seasons, seven tournament appearances, you know, instead of, hey man, bleep you. Hey man, who do you think you are? How about thank you? Thank you. Thank you was in order. We were lucky to have you. We appreciate you. Thank you for the great years. Thank you for always representing us well. Thank you. That would have been a much more appropriate response than much of what I saw. He didn't owe you anything more. 12 seasons, seven tournament appearances. And by the way, sometimes it's just time to go. Sometimes you need a new challenge. Sometimes you do need to reinvent. I mean, it's not like he didn't earn the chance to take on the challenge of rebuilding Georgetown. And not an easy thing either, by the way. It's not like he took the easy way out. He earned that chance. And of course, it was a no-brainer for Georgetown. Georgetown had to take that shot. Had to. So if you want to know how I know he was the right dude for Georgetown, and if you want to know why I like this dude so much, not that I need any other reason, but all you have to do is check out what happened last night and what he did last night. Because last night, Georgetown lost to Rutgers, and they fell to 1-2. and two. And that obviously was not the impressive part. That's not why I'm saying, hey, man, I love my guy, Ed. Rutgers got him. Man, Ed, Ed is the best. He's one and two. That's not what I'm saying here. The impressive part was how he conducted himself after that game, what he said after that game. It's one of the rare times that I've ever seen a coach react to a loss like this. One of the rare times I've ever heard a coach say, ask tougher questions. It's your job to ask me hard questions. Not complain about a tough question. Not say next question. But where are the harder questions? You're not doing your job as young reporters. You know, not even like in a torts way of that's not the way to phrase a question and just browbeating somebody. But the coach using this as a teaching moment to younger reporters to say, hey, listen. You're not asking me the right questions. Ask me tougher questions. The only way you're going to get better is by having the courage to ask a question in these type of situations. So when you guys are sitting there, don't just sit there like a lump on a log. Have a great question. Grow up and learn what it is to ask a tough question. Seriously, we owe you an answer or you owe yourself an opportunity to grow. I say that to all of you young writers. Don't sit in here and just be in awe. This shit is real. Grow up. You're in the room. Learn how to ask some questions. I'm out. Hey, coach. I'm out. That was great. I'm out. And notice what he's not saying. He's not saying, make it about you. Make it about you. Say something. Go viral. Make it about you. You know, provoke the coach. He's not saying that. He's like, you're in the room. Ask the tough question. That's not only incredible advice for young writers in that room. That's pretty amazing advice, period. He's right. You can't just sit in that room. 
any room, right? It's all about the room. Know your room. But that advice applies to every single room. You can't just sit in the room like, quote, like a lump on a log. You need to do your damn job regardless of the room. And if your job is to ask hard questions, ask the hard question. By the way, sometimes the job is hard. In fact, everything worthwhile is hard. Everything good is on the other side of hard. It's not easy. That's part of the problem, right? You're led to believe, hey, man, it's easy. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. You can kill it, and it's really not that hard. You can kill it, and it's easy. Old school Ed is saying, listen, it's not easy, but do your job because it's not an easy job. What you can't do, quote, is sit in here and just be in awe. This bleep is real. I want to hear that one more time. I love that, Albie. The only way you're going to get better is by having the courage to ask a question in these type of situations. So when you guys are sitting there, don't just sit there like a lump on a log. Have a great question. Grow up and learn what it is to ask a tough question. Seriously, we owe you an answer or you owe yourself an opportunity to grow. I say that to all of you young writers. Don't sit in here and just be in awe. This is real. Grow up. You're in the room. Learn how to ask some questions. I'm out. I love this guy, man. I love that so much. You're in the room, all right? You got to earn your right to be in the room. Don't just sit here in awe. Grow up. This bleep is real. And ask a question. Seriously. How many coaches do you know that would do that? He's not only coaching his team, he's coaching the young members of the press. Most every other coach I know would have been like, good, that was easy. Let's get the hell out of here. Let me get back to the locker room so I can get back into my team and let them know what's up. But he was not going to let that slide. He's like, what's going on, man? That's it? That's it? Nobody has a hard question? That is so. He goes, this bleep is real. And so is Ed. I mean, damn, this guy's the best. And the most impressive thing he said, the thing that should have made every Hoya let out a booming Hoya Saxa, the thing that should have made every Hoya know that they have an incredible coach was when he said the words, we owe you an answer. We owe you an answer. We owe you an answer. Not like you're lucky to be here in my presence. We actually owe you an answer. But you know what? Why don't you ask the question if you want that answer? We'll give it to you. We owe it to you. He just walked off the floor after a loss to Rutgers. Their second loss in their first three games. His first three games at Georgetown. And rather than hide behind the fact that he just got there, or that Rutgers has been a solid program now for years, rather than run behind or hide any behind any excuses, he sat up there waiting. Where are the questions? We owe you an answer. So ask some hard questions because this bleep is real. This is real. I love that. Nobody's more real than my guy, Ed Cooley. He's got a real tough job. A real tough job ahead of him. But if anybody can do it, it's that dude. And you just heard why. Grow up. He's holding everybody accountable. Ask a tough question. Himself, his players, <laughs> the media covering the team, everybody. He's leading everybody. Come on, man. Wake up. Don't sit there like a lump on a log. Seriously. Seriously. You're in the room. Do Grow your up. job. This shit is real. 
Nice job, Ed. Appreciate it. I'm out. Providence, you were lucky to have that guy. You should not be hating on that guy. He did a hell of a job for y'all. He did. And did not take the easy way out either. Nothing easy about that Georgetown gig. Nothing easy about trying to rebuild that. You know why? You know why he did that? Money, I'm sure. You know why else? Because that bleep is real. He wanted to challenge himself. He wanted to challenge of rebuilding something. This shit is real. I like that. That's good sound. Have a great question. And a great message. Grow up and learn what it is to ask a tough question. What's your reaction? 1-800-636-8686. Stucknut's in. Kooky Stucknut. Let's see what he's got. Learn what it is to ask a question. Rex Lee from an alternative universe. Yeah. Well, was that a question? Here's yeah. how I know whether or not so. James Maybe Kelly not is listening question. right now and working. <laughs> no, no, if no, he no, immediately no. jumps in with, ha, 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 yes, and there he is. <laughs> Dunked on. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly, you're too much, dude. Dude, fourth graders dunk on you routinely with the English language. But you can't wait to tell me that Rex Lee dunked on me. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Hey, Rome. I tried to ask the tough question, but Juice couldn't hear me. Sincerely, did you kill Bill Walsh guy? Can you hear me, Juice? Yes, I can Armando hear you, Armando A. Yeah. Uh, Are you going to wreck when a you solid moment? Yeah. Yeah, did you kill Bill Walsh? That I was what? Hey, what about George Seifert? Have a great question. What about George Seifert? Did you get him too? Seriously. What else we got here? Nothing good from you. I'm doing my job. How about you? Is some of this stuff actually goes back to Bill Belichick and Mac Jones and that report from the Boston Herald that 80% of the Patriots are out on Mac. This guy writes, is this Mac Jones drama manufactured to deflect blame from the busty hoodie? Why is it all the quarterback's fault and not the problems with the horrible play calling and coaching? Get lost, Chesty LaRue. Err, hoodie. Tony in Salt Lake. That's fair. I mean, do Mac's playing terribly. Mac's confidence is absolutely shot. Nobody wants him, apparently, on that team to get the ball. I get all that. But don't act like there aren't others to blame for that, too, starting with Chesty LaRue. Remember when Tom Kernan came on the program earlier this week? He was saying, and he quoted Bill Belichick as saying not that long ago, that Mac Jones had made tremendous progress. He had a great offseason. Like, he was so encouraged and so optimistic about what was coming from him this year. And then this. Dear Jim Robaugh, Robaugh, benching Mac Jones. Huh. I guess we know how Bill's boobies got so swolled. Yours, Jim guy. Oh, I get it. He's been benching him. He put him up 12 times. Booby. I get it. I get it. He's been bench-pressing Mac. That's how his boobies got so swolled. Wow, dude. Who sent that? Hans. Booby. 
How many times did you put Mac up at the combine, at the 71-year-old coaching combine? I put Mac up 25 times. Hey, Rome, which fan base do you think is going to melt down harder if their team loses? Bills fan or Jets fan? Either way, it's a win for team content because you know one of them is going to lose their collective minds. War the Las Vegas A's. Dino in Vegas. Wow, Dino. You're aggravating a lot of people. I can't wait. Well, me, for instance, with that. Then again, Dino, that is what you do best. War the Las Vegas A's. That didn't take long. All right, so I'm going to set up one last segment for you. What is your take? What do you want to hit on? Oakland, another rough day. You lost another professional franchise. Grow up. Grow up. This is real. This bleep is real. Ask a tough question. When we come back, I've got a last segment for you. You know, you might be wondering about that Jim Rohn podcast, which did not drop on Wednesday like it always does, like clockwork. It's because it's going to drop tomorrow. That'll happen. Michael Brockers will join me then. All right, so I suggested that this guy circle back. Welcome back. I suggested this guy circle back, and he did. So let me read this. Jim, your Vegas testimonial on the Wagyu ribeye was what finally convinced me to go get that piece of meat. The steak was phenomenal. The marbling was perfect. I cooked it over Jack Daniels barrel wood. I paired the ribeye with a hot ooey, gooey blue cheese sauce with sautéed onions. It was the best piece of meat I've ever cooked. Well worth the extra money. Joel in Montana. So Joel had hit me up yesterday and said, I finally decided to take that big swing because of what you said about the piece of meat you had in Vegas. I said, dude, circle back. Let me know. I had no idea you were going to turn that around that fast. Glad it lived up to all the hype. I will say, again, in the last month, the last six weeks, I've had two of the best pieces of meat that I've ever had. One in Boulder, Colorado, and one in Vegas. Speaking of Boulder. So, DJ busts out today for the weekend. Logs is coming home for the first time since we sent him to Boulder. He's coming home for Thanksgiving. Haven't talked to the kid much. Haven't seen the kid but that one time for Parents Weekend. I have no idea what's going on. DJ is making noise about coming into the studio. Alvin, you've been here the longest. Do you remember Janet ever coming into the studio? I, I literally don't remember the last time. No, I don't even mean inside the studio. That, that's never happened. I mean in the building even. She has not come to work in years and years and years and years and years. James Kelly says once. They've been doing this for years. I haven't years. seen DJ... Years. In the facility in years. And she's making noise about Logan and I are not even asking. Logan and I are coming in next week. I think, and I'm like, you know what? I may have a say in this. I think, though, and it's not. And by the way, it's not because Logan wants to see dad at work. 
Logan's got no interest in dad at work. I don't even think Logan knows what I do for a living. Rogan Logan. I think DJ wants rogues on TV. I think, and she's in Austin. She can't, well, actually, if she's in Austin, she can hear this. She won't know where to find it, but she can. I think Rogues is like, he's, Rogues is chill. Rogues is laid, laid back. He'll do whatever. If I say, hey, Rogues, do you want to come on in and be like, whatever, Pop. If you want me to, I will. If you don't want me to, I won't. But for whatever reason, DJ's kind of got it in her head. Like, she's proud of Rogues. I think she wants Rogues on TV. And I'm going to see how Rogues shows up when I bring the idea up to him. Anyway, he's coming home this weekend, which means I won't see him. But... She's gone, and he's coming back, which means I won't see either of them this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit DJ with this. Jake is coming back also, but not until later. But Rogues is in early. I'm going to hit DJ with this. Here's my counter. I'll put Rogues on the air on Tuesday, but you have to be on the air for EP 300 of the Rome podcast. That will put an end to the whole thing. Janet has only called the show once in 30 years. Sweetheart. All right, so there's that. Let's see here. Jake in NYC writes, James, <laughs> big head, I love you, man. Keep going with your same stuff. I love to bleep out of you. Jards, Poulter, Wendy, those guys did it. Sincerely, Sharon Crymore. I love you, man. Love the out of you, man. This is for you. For this university, the president, our AD. We got the best players, best university, best alumni in the country. Love you guys. These you guys right here. These guys right here, man. These guys did it. These guys did it, man. Talk to him, man. Love you. All right, so that guy did that. Never mind what those guys did. These guys did. These guys did it. These guys did it. F bomb. F bomb. F bomb. No, dude. Can we focus on what you did? You did that. So we've been waiting to hear from him since he melted down hysterically and was f bombing out of his mind. Well, he has since apologized, but not to us, not to America, not to everybody watching but only to his mom and grandma. Check this out. Yeah, that's my emotion. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And, uh, you know, I apologize for the, the language, but don't apologize for the emotion. And it's real. There's, it's just you when you work so hard to, to, to see that come to fruition, it's really cool. And then sometimes your emotions get the best of you. And obviously apologize to mom and grandma. Do it again. Love you guys. Um, and uh, But... I think, you know, a lot of positive stuff from alumni. I mean, Desmond, Charles, all those guys sending text messages. And um, really cool to see the whole university, you know, Santa, Ward, everybody come together and be so close. In other words, you apologize to absolutely nobody. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. I like the way he said, it's nice to see the entire program come together. Obviously, apologize to mom and grandma. Like, nothing galvanizes a program like a cheating scandal. 
Nothing can bring a program, a proud program, closer together than a second suspension of the head coach in the single season. Nothing puts everybody in the same foxhole together like getting caught cheating. Dude, you can wear your emotion on your sleeve. That's fine. What's not fine is being absolutely hysterical and crying like, frankly, your mom or your grandma just passed away dramatically in front of you. For this university, the president. You didn't lose a loved one. Your coach got suspended because he got caught cheating. Love you guys. It's not even the first time he's been suspended this year. And you're crying hysterically. And the only one you apologize to is your mom and your grandma for the language? My man, if in fact your coach, who you love so much, that you're crying about, is right, and you're America's team, then you owe all of America an apology for melting down like that and being hysterical. I don't know that I've ever seen a human being so hysterical in my life. Never mind, like, in sports. I mean, in life. For any reason. I don't know that I've ever seen a human being that hysterical and throwing off that many F-bombs over any tragedy. And that's not tragic. Getting caught in a cheating scandal and having your coach suspended for the second time in one year should not be that traumatic. People have suffered really really traumatic episodes. That's the not president. one of them. In fact, it's not even the first time this year they've been suspended. He's you. been suspended. Man. Anyway, th- so there you go. That's how that ties up. That's his apology. Harbaugh also witnessed that and gave his review of that speech. I was like five inches from the TV. Um... To, to, to watch that. I mean, it was, it was beautiful, you know. Um, I'll remember that, too. You moved within five inches of the TV? I was like five inches from the TV. Why, dude, you going blind? You going deaf? It's beautiful. Did you lose those Coke bottle rims? I was like five inches from the TV. Why? Was the message more impactful the closer you got to the screen? It's beautiful. Were the hysterics more hysterical as you got closer to the screen? I'll remember that. Were too. the f bombs more impactful as you got closer to the screen? For this university, the president. Was the insincerity less sincere as you moved closer to the screen? It's beautiful. It was beautiful. What world is Michigan man living in, man? What a crew. What a crew. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you you need to move closer to the screen so you can watch and hear what I'm saying. Hey, Rome. I was like five inches from the TV. Forget the more apology. He can keep it. I'm still waiting for James in Portland to apologize for yesterday's disgusting, vile, and vivid phone call. Phil and SF. It's a good point. 
It's a good point. I think that if you're waiting on that apology, you're going to be waiting a hell of a long time. It's not going to be any better than Moore's apology. And can you imagine if you were within five inches of the TV when James in Portland called with that? I wonder if you clones ever get so fired up by what you see or you hear on this show that you get within five inches of the screen. Like five inches. Because it's so beautiful. It's beautiful. Huge call brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts, offering convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Place your order at O'ReillyAuto.com and pick up at your local store or have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Amber, you got to get in a little quicker. Amber had a good take. Amber had a good reaction. Hey, Romy, in response to the guy who circled back on the ribeye, my question and beef is, if you're going to cook an amazing piece of meat like that, why in the actual F would you drown it in blue cheese sauce? That's like saying you put A1 on it. That ruins it. Good job, Amber. I'm walking off on that. See you tomorrow. We're out. More Lady Clones. I'm out.